Hey everybody, my name is Pej. We come on every single Tuesday, right around noontime. I always have special guests in the recovery world. We talk about anything and everything that's recovery related or lack thereof. Welcome to Pej's Recovery Corner. <laughs> Welcome. Why don't you enlarge your spiritual life? <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing. Enlarging the picture. Oh, that? Mm -hmm. Can you enlarge it? Mm -hmm. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. Guess who I'm with today? I'm with the lovely AJ Sanders. Hello. Welcome to the corner. Thank you. I've been I'm wanting to have to be you here. on here for a while now. Well, I've been a little jealous of you picking everybody else over me. I'm like, now when is going to be my turn? So I'm glad <laughs> to be here. Yay. Well, I am here. there's a reason for that because I didn't really know if you wanted to talk about recovery, but I, I think I think we're good. We're clear, right? Why not, though? Right? Why, why wouldn't I want to talk about recovery? I think everybody's recovering for, from something. That's right. At least they should be. Okay. Well, first and foremost, let's, let's, let's do a breakdown real quick. So okay. where were you born? Oh, we're going there? Okay. Yeah, where were you uh, born? I was born in Dallas. You were born in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I'm a Texas girl. Wikipedia is wrong. They said you were born in Jersey. I know. My grandmother, who actually died of alcoholism, actually, she was actually, she lived in New Jersey, Trenton, New Jersey. And I don't know how they, maybe they just sort of got the information or heard it wrong or whatever, but. They assumed. They assumed that I, yeah, but she, my, my grandmother lived in Trenton, New Jersey for a while. Then she lived in Lakewood mm -hmm. and Tom's River. Okay. And yeah. So, uh, so you were born in Dallas. Born in Dallas, Texas. And raised in Dallas. Born and raised in Dallas I, uh, all the way up until I was 17 years old. And I moved out to LA when I was 17, straight out of high school. And then when you were growing up in Dallas, like what kind of an area was it? Shout out to all of my peeps <laughs> that I went to HHS with, Hillcrest High School, mm -hmm. Panther Power. <laughs> uh, so it was a predominantly, well, originally it was a Jewish high school okay. until they bust, until the busing, uh, they bust a lot of, other kids from from the hood um, mm -hmm. to the school and um, and yeah, so I pretty much lived in that particular area, mm -hmm. and it was it was multiracial but predominantly like Jewish. Okay, and um, so I celebrated all of the Jewish holidays with everybody, you know, the Yom Kippur and the Rosh Hashanah, and, you know. So you're very aware of that particular religion. I am. I love I it. Am. I, I love am. I am. Yeah. My house is actually in a very, very Jewish neighborhood in Los Angeles, and I have a lot of fun in my neighborhood. A lot. It's. it's Are you being sarcastic? No, I love. Oh, it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it. yeah, because I would not be sarcastic. I loved my neighborhood I love it. too. I love yeah. it. it. Truly, is like you see a lot of culture, mm -hmm. a lot of people that uh, a lot of you hear through my, when I open my windows, I can hear people dancing and singing. Yeah, they're always going to. Um, some kind of religious practice. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of. Uh, I think they go to, to read the Book of Hebrew and all that, but mm -hmm. it's really a cool area. Mm -hmm. uh, but so growing up in Texas, obviously, I mean, some people know and some people may not know. You later on when you came out to LA, you were on a TV show. Uh, but before that, growing up, did you ever think that you were going to go into that type of field? Is that what your goal was? Yes. Okay, so when you were in high school, was this idea already there? Yes. And were you um? Were you in drama classes? Not in high school, but I went to uh, I went my middle school. I went to an arts academy. It was called W. E. Reiner Exploratory Arts Academy, mm -hmm. and that was in Oak Cliff, which was way across the tracks from where I lived. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to catch uh, 
the city bus. I had to catch two city buses to get to school and two city buses back. So, so you grew up knowing, like, I want to be, uh, I'm talented. I'm going to be doing this. Yes. Good. Mm -hmm. And then, um, did you like Shakespeare? Mm, what? Yeah. Did you, did you... <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I wasn't really familiar with them. Because I was in, in drama in high school and mm -hmm. I loved doing like Hamlet and things like that. So. Oh, well, see, so originally I wanted to be a dancer. Okay. So in, at, when I was in middle school, we did a lot of dance theaters right. and, um, and I didn't do a lot of acting. I didn't do any acting dr dr dramatic classes or anything like that. I was in the marching band mm -hmm. and, and I was in the concert band and I was in the jazz band. Mm -hmm. And then I was also uh, in dance. Right. So I, I loved music and I loved to move to music. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I thought I was going to do when I came to LA. Right. Um, I thought I was going to be this, you know, this multifaceted triple threat dancer. I wanted to be like Debbie Allen. Mm -hmm. I, I literally wanted to be like Debbie Allen. And yeah. So especially after watching Fame, I was like, okay, oh, so I got to so And so I was plotting the whole time in high school. I was like, okay, if I can just find her dress mm -hmm. and I can just, you know, audition like on her front lawn or something, she'll be she'll be wowed by me right. and and she'll put me on Fame. Well, it didn't doesn't quite quite happen that way. It doesn't mm -hmm. work like that. Right. I found out very quickly. Um, but so during the time that I was auditioning, doing dance auditions, uh, I injured my feet. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't dance anymore. So fame was was definitely an inspiration for you. I think it was inspiration yes. for all of us. I'm, well, so the first time I watched it was uh, at the theater. Right. And I fell in love with Leroy. Mm, I love Leroy. Ooh. So good. Oh, so good. love me some Leroy. Yeah. So <laughs> that, I ended up dating a dude named Leroy too, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> He was not a dancer at all, right. by the way. Um, but no, he uh, he inspired me, and I watched uh, Debbie, and and I really wanted to work with her. And I, um, but I, you know, that dream had died once I injured my feet, mm -hmm. and um, so I, so I sort of fell into stand up comedy. This is still in Texas. No, this is all in LA. Okay, so like seventeen years old, I I go to LA right after high school. Before before you came to LA, had you ever experimented? Were you partying? Were you partying in school or anything like that? Mm, no, I think one time my friend and we were at a party, and I think I tried nitrous once. You and I, and I, I once, yeah. My friend Matt had convinced <laughs> like me to just. It? Yeah, it was like that because somebody, a mutual friend, was a his father was a dentist. Mm -hmm. I went to school with a lot of people yes. who were very affluent. Uh -huh. And so, uh, so this guy's, I don't even know who it was, but he had this, uh, the laughing gas in the back of his car. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, it was from, yeah, he, had, he brought a tank home from his dad's office who was a dentist. And so we just, you know, took a little whiff and then we just laughed and I thought, Oh my God, that was crazy. <laughs> and that was like, I, that's the only thing I had that's done you in high school. That. Okay, so 17, were you already done with high school? Like, mm -hmm. already graduated? Yeah. Yeah. I knew you were a smarty pants. Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, I'll take it. So you ended up in <laughs> LA, and, and you had this, uh, these goals and dreams and aspirations mm -hmm. to be in Hollywood. Then what happened? 
Well, uh, well, first of all, I wanted to go to UCLA. That was my dream. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to attend UCLA. My father had lived in Westwood, well, Century City. So it was right, not too far from Westwood. Right there. And so I wanted to, so I went to go live with my dad Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm right there. I'm right close to Westwood. And so um, I wanted to go to UCLA and um, turned out he couldn't afford it. Right. And that was because of a bet that he made and lost Mm -hmm. and so he couldn't afford so i ended up going to santa monica college (laughs) i know santa monica college all too well sammo and um i went to smc got into the dance program there and you know where were you living during that time with my dad which was what city century city oh so you were in century city at that time okay yeah Yeah, it was right across from the west side pavilion oh yeah which is now being revamped is it oh yeah that was my jam a long time ago love that but anyway yeah but eight months later i got kicked out of the house my dad and i got into an argument and Mm -hmm. then i had to move out with my friend that i was in the dance class with and she lived crenshaw and rodeo this was the mid 80s this was 1985, yeah, 1985. 1986. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay, so and Crenshaw and Rodeo, I know that I know that area. It's too. now called Obama, but yeah, Crenshaw and, and that street. It and, did get its name changed. Yeah, over. yeah, I saw that. I, I still call it Crenshaw and Rodeo, but yeah. anyway, so I lived over there with her for a few, for almost a year, mm-hmm. and I did a, had a job, went to school. What were you doing for work? Just right. I was working at like the Coffee Emporium, uh-huh. and then I and then there was a jewelry store next door to that. I started working at the jewelry store. And you were going all the way down to SMC for school. Yeah. And back then there wasn't like all this. There was traffic, but it wasn't like it is now, where it would take like forty-five minutes to get from there to SMC. Right? No. Yeah. Very. Yeah, yeah. But then, um, so the young lady that Angela Santiago, shout out to Angela Santiago, yeah. hey girl. Um, yeah, we are still really good friends to this day. And she, we were like sisters, you know, her parents were like, okay, you get to live with us and you got to feed the dog on Wednesday and go to church on Sunday and make sure you go to school every day and clean up after yourself. You know, it was just, I was part of the family. Mm. And, um, and, and that turned out to be a blessing because that's where the first comedy club I'd ever gone to was right down the street on Crenshaw and 43rd and 43rd and Crenshaw. Yeah. Well, that was the comedy club. Yeah. It was called the Regency West. It's still there. And it's 43rd and Crenshaw. And that's where the comedy theater was. Yeah. So that's where I met Robin Harris, who became my mentor. Mm -hmm. And then he just brought uh, Hollywood to the hood pretty much because they started coming down because he was so great. They all, you know, his agent became, um, friends with all of us and then his agent introduced me to my first agent it's just this whole like full circle moment and uh and so the lady from NBC Shana Landsberg came down and said hey you know come to my office and I had to meet with her met, met with her mm-hmm. and um I wasn't quite ready she said I wasn't ready for act you know to be to be on television just that I needed some classes mm-hmm. so I took some classes and I took her direction and but you were uh, still driven and wanting to do something with yourself you knew oh yeah you had a plan yeah, but it was interesting how God really was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because I had no sense of direction. Mm-hmm. I had no idea like how to go about doing anything. Right. It all just sort of I was sort of guided. I was, you know, going to this comedy club. Right. I was meeting all these different people and I was and I saw all of these I witnessed all this great uh perform this ta- like Sinbad and Martin Lawrence and Tommy Davidson and those are legends and Marsha Warfield came down right. once and I was just blown away Myra J and mm-hmm. Stacy McLean and uh William Will like all these really ex- 
wonderful, extraordinary. Ricky Harris, Louis Dix. I mean, I was just looking up to all these people. D.L. Hughley was one of those guys too. And so it was, I was just in awe of everybody. And right. so that's, I, it was a masterclass every Thursday and Friday night. And, you know, especially when like Damon Wayans would come down oh. and he was just beyond brilliant. It was, right. so I just took notes. They're just naturals. Well, they're naturally gifted, mm -hmm. you know, and they really, really knew how to uh, perform perform and work the magic on right. the audience, man. I mean, they, he would put us under a spell. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. So during that time, life was still manageable. You were managing between the job and going to school. Yeah, I hadn't really started drinking or anything yet because I was so focused and I, you know, I still was the good girl that my mother raised, you mm -hmm. know, and uh Every now and then I would hang out at the bar at the club and and then the bartender would give me a seven and seven. What club? And I had at no idea club? at that at, at that, that club. club. So I was like, I don't even know what a seven and seven is, but it sounds good. He was like, Well, it's Seagram seven and seven up or something. I was like, Oh, I like seven up. It so. sounds enticing. I used to hear that. I was like, let's try the seven so and the, seven. So the guy said it's like a it's like a wine cooler. And I'm like, Okay, I so can do case, that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. refreshing. Yeah. So I would take a but I mean, that was the extent of it then. And then um this one comedian and I hung out once and that was the first time I had smoked weed. And I was like, ah, <laughs> because I didn't like the way that alcohol made me feel okay. because I felt bloated and I didn't like the taste of it. Um, and it felt like it just took too long to get there, right. wherever there was. And so when I smoked, when I started smoking weed, I was like, ah, okay. Cause I felt it made me feel pretty enough and skinny and funny and charming and all those things that I was thought I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Weed made me feel like that. Mm. And so, uh, that was the first and last time I ever felt like that because after that, I wanted to feel like that all the, all the time, time. Yeah. but I couldn't feel like that all the time, like the first time. So mm -hmm. I was constantly chasing and then I smoked so much weed that it wasn't, uh, effective anymore. Right, right, right. You built a tolerance. I built a very strong tolerance for weed. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, about nine years later, I was like, I need to pour some alcohol on this. So ah, there we go. Mix this, mix this up, you know. But okay, so in the mid 80s, how you were on a different world, you played? No, I wasn't on the I wasn't on there until uh 1990 oh that was in the 90s yeah it was early 90 i want to say 91 because cosby show came first and that yes. was a spin-off of, of a, different, a different world was a spin-off of that yeah so before that were you getting parts or anything like that through the agent that you no i so the first agent i got was a commercial agent okay and so i was doing uh i was doing commercials, commercials and that i mean it was amazing were you making any kind of living from My that? My God, that yeah. was the most money I had made I had ever seen ever. Really, I was I had never seen. So money between like that, that job at the Emporium, is that what it was called? The, the Coffee Emporium, Emporium uh, and, and the school, then, and now you got this other side. Well, no, no, let's go back. So I was working at the Coffee Emporium, and then I was working the jewelry store, and then I worked at Aunt Kizzy's back porch. You're a a soul food. What? <laughs> yes, I am. That yeah. Type of woman. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's also that that's what Beyonce says. A diva ain't nothing but a female hustler. That's right. Yeah, that's why. I, yeah. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, so I worked at three jobs, going to school and learning how to do stand up, all before the age of twenty. Wow. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to the comedy club and started learning how to do stand up, and I became Robin Harris's opening act, mm -hmm. um, I had I had to I had to make a decision at one point. I think I had. When I, I just got my AA degree, isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. AA degree. I got my AA degree, and uh, 
at, at SMC. And yeah. then I um, came on and just started doing comedy full time. And, you know, and I thought, oh, well, I guess I don't need to go to UCLA now because I'm sort of learning yes. everything, uh, you know, about, you know, I'm, I'm living, I'm living. You're getting this, to where you need to. I'm getting the education I really need, yeah. you know, so that's When you kinda, were doing, uh, when you were in opening act or just doing stand up in the beginning, uh, was it well received? No. Was, was it not, what did it, did it mess with your emotions? Yes. Well, here's the thing. Like I wasn't, I didn't even know I was supposed to be funny because I thought, well, I'm just opening up. I'm just opening the show. Right. So I didn't think that that was expected of me until did Robin you have brought it to my attention. Written? No, no, Oh, you were no. just trying to wing it. No, people were like, what's, like no one laughed. No one was entertained. I was really nervous as a long tail cat and a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, I was so nervous and scared all the time. And then the owner, Michael Williams, got saying, well, come, keep, just come back tomorrow, come back tomorrow. I had no idea that he was helping me. Hmm. And I didn't, uh, I didn't know that I was, I, I had no idea how to even, that comedy was a craft until Robin Harris brought it to my attention. He goes, listen, you got good stage presence. Now you just need some material. Hmm. So I thought, well, what do I, how do I do that? And so he was like, I'll show you how to write. So all these people like uh, that I mentioned you. before, they taught me how to write. They taught me what material was. They showed me how to identify what, what, what funny was. And, mm -hmm. and so I, that's how I learned and, and shoot, like maybe a year and a half later, I'm on Deaf Comedy Jam. Yes. Okay. That was so, it. So I got that going. And so at the same time I got Deaf Comedy Jam is when I booked A Different World. And so my it, it, like they recognized you from Deaf Comedy Jam and, and no, zeroed in or what no, was it? it was just two different experiences. I mean, I was over here auditioning for this thing. And then um, since I'm a comedian, I'm also over here doing this thing. So it, and the and what's interesting is that a different world aired that Thursday. And then the following Sunday was my debut of Deaf Comedy Jam. It all happened in the same week. You were killing it. I know, crushing it. And so then after that is when people like Chris Rock and Martin Lawrence and all these guys asked me to go on the road with them. Mm -hmm. So the whole summer, I'm traveling on the you road. You were hanging out with legends. And then a different world. Because you are a legend. Well, listen, I was legendary <laughs> at something. That was for sure. But wait. And then at the same time, a different world had kept calling me back to mm -hmm. be a reoccurring. And then the following season, they called me back again to be uh, a regular. So what was... Oh, before as, as in a, the beginning, were you just on certain episodes? It's called Under Fiverr. Under it's five. when you have under five lines. Okay. So, uh, but mind you, that's still more than what I was doing before. Because yes. I was. It's a show. That, that was, I'm on TV. You're so on TV. So I didn't care. So even if I was like just. Nationally syndicated. If not. Yep, if I had one word, I was like, I'm going to work that word. That's right. And that's make right. sure that they don't cut it out. You your, know? your character on the show was Gina. Gina DeVoe. DeVoe. Mm -hmm. Yep. I watched so, the other I loved it. You. I loved it. I, I, I never watched it because I felt like, you know what? I did it. I know what's going to happen and on to the next thing. Oh. But but I was on a whirlwind, was I was going to say. I was, so so the fact that I was working on the show, do, I did Def Jam and I'm, now I'm on the road. Mm -hmm. And then so I'd work for four days a week and then I'd travel for the weekend. And so I was constantly going. And the more I worked, the more the hole inside of me kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? Why? Because I didn't know why then, but I was suffering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And I was restless, irritable, and discontent all the time. I isn't didn't that, feel like I was strange though? Like you think you, with all that going on, you think this would fill up a person, but instead it was doing, 
the exact opposite. The The more successful I became, the more fraudulent I felt. Why? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just, that's just what it felt like. I felt like, oh my God, they're going to find out. Ah, oh, I'm, okay. you know, and I was in fear all the time uh-huh. and I was, and plus I was young yeah. and this was the first time I had done anything. And this early, early twenties, right? I'm literally like 22, 20, right. 21, it's 22. It's scary. It's gotta be really scary to, to be out in the world doing that with a lot of people that are very famous or they were well on their way, you know, and we were tra- nationally traveling and globally and globally. Mm-hmm. And, um, on the road, was there people partying? So I don't know. And and to be fair, so female comedians don't get the same groupies as male comedians. Mm-hmm. So all the attention went to the headliners. All the attention went to the Chris Rocks and the Martins and all those guys. Mm-hmm. So I just went to my hotel room. And by that time, I just, you know, roll something up, smoke it up, chill, order room service, and I'm good. That'll fill the hole for a That'll fill the hole for a couple hours. <laughs> At least it'll make you go to sleep. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I was sleeping really well. Right. But then, you know, um, then off to the next city, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was always very um, nervous. I was always very anxious because I didn't want to fail. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of failure. And so I was always con- constantly going back to my room beating myself up over one joke that didn't work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to get that right. And I'm, you know, hurt. Just, just constantly trying to work and get better and better all the time. And just, and, but it was fear-based. It's, it's, it's really interesting that you bring that up because, you know, obviously you already know that I'm the biggest Prince fan in the world, right? You? And I've been, and ever since he passed away, I've been reading a lot of different people. Purple. <laughs> I absolutely do. You'll see the car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've been reading different people's biographies that were all, they weren't allowed to write about their experiences before, like they wrote up the NDA or whatever. But now, now that he passed away, I'm reading all these separate people and people that were like closest to him in his band that were on tour with them. When you saw them on their, as this, like on their stage, their stage presence looks like, okay, they're mechanically doing what they're supposed to be doing every single night and they look happy you know but when you read like the emotions and the feelings that they were having in their early 20s on the road there's got to be a lot going on there like it's it's not what the average human being there's a is whole doing. lot going on and and i tell you i can absolutely relate and there are times when i can when i see people on the red carpet i go mm. You can see, but like I can see what's yeah. behind the eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, because I've I've had that same look. Right. I've right. had that same feeling. So, um, and people assume that you're happy when you're performing. Right. And in one sense, we are. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're sort of in that safety zone, in that bubble where we're kind of feel safe and this is what's expected of us, and we're good at it, so we're going to do it. Right. But then, once the light goes out then you know real life has to take place and that's where the scary part comes like i don't know what to do with myself now that i don't i don't have a mic in my hand or Mm -hmm. no one's telling me who to be and no one's telling me what to do and i don't have any lines to read right so um that's those are the moments that are the scariest because you not you know i don't know how to grocery shop i don't know what to do i don't know what anything Mm -hmm. plus you know being so young i didn't have that experience previously Mm -hmm. so all i knew was just to work hard and strive to be great so so after you were on the road did you have more of a regular role on a different world was it did it go from being five five lines to 
I became a regular on the sixth season. On the sixth season. Yeah. Um, How many seasons? I was still on the road, on? though. I was still on the road on the weekends. Even so, then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I would work on a different world during the week, and then on the weekends, I would travel and go to a different city and make people laugh and then come back on you Monday. You were busy. Mm -hmm. You were very busy. All the time. Yep. And life was unmanageable, or the inside was unmanageable, or was it? The, the inside was frightened all the time mm -hmm. and I was always very um nervous and um I just didn't want to get anything wrong you know what was your mom during that time Did she my mom was living in Texas oh, so she stayed out there and she was proud and she just thought that everything was going on and I her baby had made it but she didn't understand that um her I was I was dying inside mm. you know but I was hiding it really well I'd smile and Look pretty and shop. I'm happy that you're talking about this too, because uh, you know all the glitters ain't gold. It may if you <laughs> if you when you say the words "I'm dying inside," that's some serious. Like mm -hmm. you know, a lot's going on there, mm -hmm. and and so uh, obviously at this point when you were when you had become a regular on the show and all that Hollywood parties, were you doing all those? Were you hanging around with lots of celebrities and? There was um, a lot going sometimes, on. sometimes. I mean, a lot of times I really would just isolate. Every now and then I'd hit the Roxbury. Right. I don't every know now, you know what I'm saying? Like every now and then I hit, I would hit some spots, but I really wouldn't. So it was on Sunset. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes I'd, you know, hit a comedy club and try to see who's performing. But I really, I was, I was exhausted from the road a lot of the times, and most times I just stayed home. Mm -hmm. And it was a really lonely place because I didn't really, I didn't really have that experience of dating. Right. So, um, you know, I tried to like, you know, date, but I just, they called it hooking up. Yeah. I just like. There wasn't no Tinder. You just hook it up. There were, we just, hey, what you doing? <laughs> yeah. Come on over. You know, what yeah. you got? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Bring some. <laughs> <laughs> and bring some for yourself. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what bring I mean? Though, me, that's right. Me. That's pretty much what it was about. Or if I saw somebody, I'd be like, what's up? Okay. You know, let's head back. And then, you know, so I, you know, I, tr I tried to be in relationships, but it was really difficult because I was never around. So. So then the partying was just at your house, like mostly by yourself? Party of one. With, with, yeah, mostly, yeah. And then every now and then, like I love sports too, right? So uh, my friend, I'd have a couple of friends come over, uh, smoke out and watch, you know, the NBA games, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So that would be fun. But most times I was by myself. Okay. Then in that case, when did you know it had become a problem? When I knew it was a problem when... Um, when I wanted to stop and I couldn't, when I, when, um, you know, like you hear, would you tell yourself I'm going to quit like after on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. I would set goals. Yeah. I'd make deals with God and be like, God, can you just, I need to stop this, you know? Um, or I would go, okay, I'm going to just clean house. I'm going to get rid of everything. I'm going to clean my house from top to bottom. Right. And I'm going to, you know, you set all these and then, or New Year's resolutions. I mean, uh -huh. like, everybody's done that yeah. where you go, okay, I'm just going to just start fresh. And, you know, and I'd, I'd be good for about, you know, 20, 30 minutes. That long. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I would you know, be proud of myself after I'd finished everything and be like, all right, what? this looks good. Mm -hmm. Now what? And then, so that so would go you... back to, but then I would go to the hot springs a lot too. I would go to the spa, like going in, uh, to LA and, and I would always, you know, detox myself and go, okay, right. after I leave the, 
the spa. I'm going to really get them on the pour. Yeah. Like pour it out. Clean myself up, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, it just wouldn't work. And so I found myself in peculiar situations, um, sometimes with lower companions. Mm-hmm. And then finally you just made a decision. You got to pull the trigger and change your life. No, it wasn't. A, it, it wasn't that. It was a situation where I was invited to a fight party mm-hmm. and um, this was and this was around 19. It was 99. Uh, and I was invited to a fight party, the Oscar De La Hoya and Trinidad fight. Right. And uh, a friend of mine invited me over. And and that was the first time in a very long time that I had said yes mm-hmm. to an invitation. And I went to his house and um, promised myself I wouldn't drink. And I did. And um, And I ended up across town uh, in a hotel with a person that I met at his house. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment I was like, well, first of all, I think I was so afraid. I, I, I was so scared that I didn't remember what happened. And I thought this guy could have killed, like anything could have happened. Right. And I thought I would have never known. And oh my God, what what will they tell my mother? Right. You know, what will the story be? Very and, risky situation. And I was so arrogant. I was my arrogance was still there. I was like, damn, and I won't be able to defend myself because I'll probably get the story wrong. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I um I just thought I gotta I gotta do something. This this is and I was just demoralized. I was embarrassed. You know, and not only that, I was embarrassed because the the guy that I woke up next to was also a team member of somebody that I had dated previously. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, my God, they're going to talk and gossip about me like it's all about me. Right. Right. And um, but that was I had but I felt like I had broken a diva rule. You know, you don't you don't do more than one per league. Mm. You know what I mean? You do one NBA, one in, one NFL, one MLB. You know what I mean? You don't do you don't cross talk. Right, 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 right. Don't so, mix it up. Don't mix it up. And so I mixed it up, and I was like, ah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I was like, I I really need to figure this out. So that and, was the day. And how old were you? I was thirty one. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's been twenty two years. That's awesome. You yeah. made an absolute decision to change your life. I did. I did. You have to decide. You have to make a decision. And it has to be a decision for you and not for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And you can't do it for your kids or your husband or save your marriage or whatever to get your career back. And I honestly thought, okay, I'm going to get sober and I'm going to, you know, pull up my bootstraps and get back out there and hit it again. But um, the life that I have been gifted Mm -hmm. is so tremendously amazing and i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to sell anybody on anything right but it is so much better than i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. that i have found a sufficient substitute that i'm no longer desperately seeking outside stuff i'm not it's no longer seeking fame and fortune and you know all of those things that i did before my value system has just change the quality it's a of my very life. important thing yeah and so and i realized and so sticking around long enough i thought you know i didn't realize that i was so attached to things right and materialism mm-hmm. i was so attached that's, to that's, looking that's good that's that and, third dimensional living yes it is and now we are in the fourth we are living in the fourth dimension living. man Ooh. yeah i can anyway that news gave me chills mm-hmm. but um that's true i don't I no longer am seeking the outside stuff. And and what's interesting is everything that I've ever wanted 
comes to me easier now. Right. Isn't that weird? No, I understand it all too. And the reason I understand, well, let me say this. All right. So for one, obviously 22 years now. Yes. I'm going to be 14 in a couple of weeks. I know. (laughs) And the way that I met you is obviously in a certain area at a certain time. Yeah. For certain people like us that are on this certain path. Sure. Like to meet. Right. Now, when I was brand new and I would see you, I want you to know, like, I've told you this before, but there was a few people that stood out to me Mm -hmm. because I was so, I wasn't really on the fence anymore because I'd already attempted this way of life a few times before. But when I actually saw people like you and a couple of others, the way that you spoke, you didn't just talk the talk and walk the walk. Recovery had become your essence. And you, it was Mm -hmm. like, uh, it wasn't just through through things that you would say. It was the way that you held yourself up and and helped people. Mm. You're in the in, you know you're being of service. Like altruism was 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 a part of your life. It was your everything. You know why? Why? Because I had nothing left. That's right. That's right. <laughs> God had taken everything away from me, man. I mean, and that was and I I now know that He did it to for my benefit. But I that's all I knew was just you know He just to enlarge my spiritual life. My desire was to enlarge right. my spiritual life. And, and I, and I, and I told, I remember I had this one prayer where I was like, I was so tired of being tired. I was like, God, I'm just willing to be nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be anything. I don't want to be famous. I don't need a whole lot of money. I just need enough to pay my bills. You know what I mean? I was, I was at that place of, of, of humility. I really experienced that, you know, that, that jumping off place where I was okay with whatever God will have me do and be. Right. And um, and so if that meant, you know, being of service to somebody else, give them a ride, picking up the phone, whatever, um, I was willing to do it because I learned that that's that helps, you know, that helps me put a deposit into the insurance of my recovery. Absolutely. I, I love that. So I yeah. get to add to it every single day. And, and I've heard all these wonderful people at that place that you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I heard a lot of those old heads talking about, you know, recovery is a gift. You know, I, you know, I get to open it up every day and, you know, and polish it and whatever, you know, they would just say all these wonderful metaphoric things. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, cause I love words. I'm a right. wordsmith. I mean, I'm a comedian, so yes, I love are. words. You're so when people saying. would put certain words together, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write that down, you right. know, and it would just keep me on fire. Now I'm not going to lie. There were times, you know, in this area that we live in, it mm-hmm. was nice to see people in recovery, um, drive nice cars mm-hmm. and build businesses and become successful again because I didn't know that that was possible. Was possible. I thought I was just going to be, you know, sentenced to this boring ass life, drinking out of styrofoam cups and holding hands with weirdos. Yeah, I yeah. really did. I, I just like, well, but here's the thing that was better than where I, where the hell that I was in, mm. you know? And so I thought, well, if that's what it's going to be, that's where it's going to be. And so then I saw people, you know, pushing, Maseratis and you know purple BMWs. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, sign me up! I want all the bells and whistles. So you know, so, and I am living the life of uh, bells and whistles today. You certainly are. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, like when I first saw you, I was intimidated because my friend knew you, and he introduced me to you, and I thought she's a goddess. I mean, just everything about her is perfect. Yeah, but I was like, I, 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 I don't even know. How to talk. I don't even know how to talk around her, right? Oh my but then God. over a period of time, we developed a friendship that, uh, that I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: like, 
You're one of my best friends. We really are. We've been through thick and thin together. You know a lot of stuff about me, mm -hmm. and I know some things about you. And mm -hmm. through the pandemic, like we kicked it together, we hung out together, mm -hmm. we we talked about a lot of things, right? <laughs> we had a lot of ideas about a lot of things, you know. Uh, and you didn't. We didn't judge each other over those we ideas. We did not judge each other over those things, you know. And it's always been really good. I gotta say. Uh, Obviously, it, it was a tough year for a lot of people, and I know at the time you, you you've been doing stand up comedy still, like mm -hmm. for for years now. Well, yeah, I was doing stand up for uh, Carnival Cruise Lines mm -hmm. before uh, the shutdown, and um, but I want to just comment on what you just said okay, though, real ahead. quick. Um, isn't it nice that? Or should I ask a question? Isn't it nice that we can disagree and still be friends? Yes. Isn't course. that a concept? It is. Isn't that an odd really novelty? That's right. That's right. <laughs> what a noble, novel idea, we know, for us to still, because, you know. It's true, because, you know, I lost some friends during pandemic. So did I. Yeah. So did I. And uh, Because we didn't agree on everything. I know. And, and, and here, so that's why I'm really grateful that, you know, the real ones stood, yeah. stood still and stood tall right. and we're still standing and mm -hmm. it's still, and we're, better friends than ever right. so i thought that was interesting that you said that because it's like yeah this year has really sort of exposed that right. you know and <clears throat> but it's really made but it's really magnified how important my recovery is and it made me so grateful that i had tools to go through and walk and navigate those waters you know because i saw a lot of people fall apart mm -hmm. and really you know lose their damn minds over like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and should yeah. i wear a mask and why are you wearing and all that it's like you know what one day at a time i get a chance to just live life on life's terms mm -hmm. i don't have to i don't have to struggle that's right you don't and are you is bully tv still happening uh no what is is it changing? so i have a show i have a talk show that i'm actually moving to um a studio Okay. So I'm not talking about it just yet because okay. it's still like the ink's it's not dry the yet. Okay. The ink's not dry yet. But yeah. Um, and I'm also writing, working on a writing project that um, I'm really, really excited about. It's very something that's very close to my heart. It's actually loosely based on a friend's life mm -hmm. um, that she recently experienced. So I'm, I'm working on that. And she has given me the privilege of um, being able to write it and hopefully star in it as her. I love that. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And um and there's a lot of other really cool things coming up too. So we'll see. Awesome. Well do you want to is there anything you want to say anymore before we before we sign off? Um I am just really blessed to have you as a friend. Thank I you. love you. You I know that. You I simply do adore everything about you. And, and all that you do. I can't believe you're so I don't, I don't even know I don't understand how you're this busy and still have time for friends like me, but I appreciate Find you for it. that, you know? Um, and um, I'm just so honored to be a member of this community though, um, because I feel like we have um, the secret sauce, mm -hmm. you know? We do. Be and I also wanted to mention, talk about Naomi um, Osaka, mm -hmm. who just recently, um, she just bowed out of the French Open. I'm a big tennis fan and a lot of my friends know. I yes, love me some tennis. So, and she just um, quit the French Open because, um, you know, she wanted to go and take care of some mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And what people don't realize about alcoholism and addiction is it is also a mental defect. Mm -hmm. You know, it is also a mental health issue. Right. And I would 
I would like for people that don't know about who we are and what we do, um, because I'm I'm not, I'm unapologetically proud to be a member of the recovery community. Um, I'd rather be on this side of the ground than the other side. But if you don't know anything, if you are ignorant to what addiction is and alcoholism is, you know, do your research before you make past judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, Kill the stigma. Yeah, because, you know, just to say, I don't understand why they just can't stop drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's as serious as diabetes and cancer, you know, and treat people with addiction as you would a cancer patient, mm-hmm. because that's how serious and how grave of an illness it is. Um, but we can recover and we do recover. That's right, and there do. are millions of us who are thriving mm-hmm. every single day one day at a time um, as a result of um, the help of God and uh, each other. That's right. Transforming and living the better part of a second life. We have been restored. That's right. To sanity. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I love you. And thank you for coming thank out Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And we're going to sign off. Love you.